This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 207. So for today's episode, I wanted to talk about the topic, what makes a great camera? Now, as you already know, the primary job of a camera is to not only make images, but not get in the way of your creative process. All cameras today can make great images, but not all cameras are what I would call great cameras. What I mean by that is not all cameras make your life as a creative easier. A great camera is one that has everything you need and has all the dials, buttons, and knobs in all the right places so that they are convenient to reach. It should also have a menu system that is easy to navigate and find the settings that you need. I know a lot of photographers, especially students or hobbyists, don't realize that you can create custom menus in your camera system. On, my mo on most camera systems, they are called My Menu, and they allow you to create your own custom set of menu tabs with the settings you use most often. I have these set up on all of my Canon cameras, as well as on my Fujifilm GFX 50R, as it is a pain to dig through the regular menu tabs to find a handful of settings that you use most often. To give you an example, this is how I have my camera's personal menus set up currently. And I'll include a link to a couple of YouTube videos I did on both the Canon and the Fuji cameras, my menu setup. You'll find those in the show notes. Now, in my first menu tab, I have AF method, eye detection, subject to detect, continuous AF, record function plus card folder, and image quality. Now, this is on my R6, so you might not have all of the same settings on your particular Canon model that this one has. Okay, so AF method allows me quick access to the number and type of AF points I want to use. Eye detection is pretty self-explanatory, whether you want it on or off. Subject to detect allows me to choose between animals or people or set no preference. Continuous AF is whether or not I want the AF to keep acquiring, which I only use on occasion as it can run down the battery faster. Record function and card folder allows me to tell the camera which card I want to write to first in the case of my R6, I can specify if I want stills written to card one and video to card two, or if I want redundancy. And also whether or not I want the images or video written to custom folders. 
image quality is of course whether i want to shoot raw or jpeg or both and what size files to use for each now moving on to tab two in my menu i have retract lens on power off release shutter without lens format card shutter mode shooting mode and iso speed settings now, for retract lens on power off, I have that in my custom menu because some of my RF lenses extend the barrel for focusing. So when I turn off the camera, I want the lens to automatically retract the barrel so I don't run risk of damaging it. Release shutter without a lens allows my cameras to work with manual only lenses that have no electronics and hence the camera doesn't know a lens is attached. If this mode is off, your camera will not shoot with one of these lenses attached. Format card allows me to quickly format my memory cards. Shutter mode allows me to choose between electronic or mechanical shutter modes, as well as first and second curtain, if your camera is capable of those. And it just depends on which one I want to use. Shooting mode is for when shooting video and ISO speed settings allows me to change those parameters for ISO speed, ISO speed range, auto ISO ranges, and minimum shutter speed with ISO. For my third menu tab, it contains external speed light control, white balance, HDR mode on my R6, control ring rotation, manual focus peak settings, and focus guide. Now, external speed light control gives me quick access to flash firing, ETTL balance settings, ETTL metering, continuous flash control, slow synchro, and flash function settings. White balance allows me to quickly change the white balance between the different options depending on the type of lighting. Daylight, shadows, tungsten, incandescent, whatever the case may be. So keep that in mind. Now, HDR mode is only available on some cameras, so you may not have that one. If that's the case, you can ignore this part. Control ring rotation allows me to reverse the direction for any function associated with the control ring on Canon RF lenses. Manual focus peak allows you to turn the function on or off, change the level, and the color of the focus peak for non-autofocus lenses. Now, what I mean by focus peak, you may not be aware of this, but on a lot of your newer cameras, if it has this function, basically what it means is if you're using uh, a manual only lens, when you have everything set to where your image is in focus, whatever your subject is, is in focus, it will outline it with either red or green or blue, depending on which color you choose. It'll give you an, uh, a visual outline in your viewfinder or EVF. Um, and I believe it also works on the rear LCD. I don't know because I generally never use the rear LCD. Um, but that gives you an idea. Now, what focus guides is, that's different. For focus guides, what happens is when that is on with a manual lens or an AF lens in manual mode, 
is you'll see three arrows at the top of your viewfinder. And when the arrows converge, that means your scene is in focus. So they're two slightly different things, but both can come in handy when using manual focus lenses. Now, in my fourth menu tab, I have HEIF to JPEG conversion, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth settings, GPS device settings, AF beep, and HDMI resolution. Now, HEIF to JPEG conversion allows you to convert images already captured between those file formats in your in camera. Wi-Fi and Bluetooth settings allows you to turn those functions on or off and set them up for using the camera, Canon Camera Connect app or the Fuji Connect app, if it's the Fuji, or Nikon or Sony, whatever the case may be. GPS device settings gives me quick access to GPS settings when I have my GPE2 unit installed on any of my Canon cameras. AF beep allows you to turn that beep on or off when you achieve focus. HDMI resolutions allows for changing the output resolution on the HDMI port on the camera when you are doing video and have an external monitor such as an Atomos Ninja installed. So hopefully now you can better understand how setting up my menu with the items that you use most often can be way more time saving than scrolling through say 31 menu tabs on a basic Canon camera menu system. Now I will hand it to Canon. They have used the same menu system in their cameras for many years and they have one of the best menu structures in cameras. Most anybody will tell you that. Nikon's is fairly good as well, and so is Fujifilm's. But Sony's menu system has been a hot mess for a long time. And they only recently revamped theirs to make it more intuitive for the user. Sony did not give this new menu to all of their cameras, which is something they should have done. Instead, only the A7S III, the A1, and the A7 IV have the new menu system but they didn't give it to previous models in a firmware update, which is something I think they should rectify because Sony's menus have always been a hot mess until this new structure came out. Now, another aspect of a great camera is having the buttons and dials in logical places, which many of the cameras do, to, uh, and they accommodate you fairly well. And if you've been using the same camera system, whether it's Canon, Nikon, Fujifilm, or Sony, you've probably developed what's known as muscle memory, which means you instinctively know where most, if not all, of the buttons and dials are. But sometimes when a new body model comes out, the manufacturer moves these around, and sometimes there seems to be no logic to the change, and it makes it harder for you to use the camera. They move a button or a dial to a really weird or awkward location and it spoils that muscle memory for you and you have to retrain yourself to that new location. The other part of making a great camera is making as many of the dials and buttons customizable as possible so that you, the camera owner, can set them to do what you want instead of what their original intention was. I personally never use the shutter button on my camera for starting or acquiring autofocus. For me and many others, it's more practical to set up back button focus. Now, if you're not familiar with back button focus and how to set it up 
you can go back and listen to episode 164 where I talk about it in more detail. Great cameras allow you to change your colors in camera like the saturation and so on, but not all cameras allow you to get the look you want in camera. Bad cameras make you work for it more in post-processing. Now, Fujifilm is a great one to talk about here as they offer pretty much all of their old film stock looks as film simulations in camera. And that is one of the things that those of us who are old enough to have shot film love about Fujifilm cameras. Now, don't get me wrong, Canon and Nikon Sony, they have in-camera adjustments for color, saturation, etc., but not all models have all of, uh, from all of these companies give you all of these options. Now, when shooting with my GFX 50R, I prefer to use either Provia or Velvia for my images, as I originally shot that film stock back in the day. When I am post-processing, because Fujifilm has a great relationship with both Adobe and Capture One, I can always change the film simulation in post-processing if I feel a different one works better for a specific image. Now, my friend Ken Rockwell likes to set his cameras to punch up the saturation in camera to save time later. But I don't always do this with my Canon cameras. To me, it just makes more sense to make any changes in post-processing. But your taste and decision will be different than mine or his. So choose what you like for those settings. If you use more than one body, as I do, make sure you can set all your cameras the same in body so that you maintain a consistent look without having to do a lot more work in post-processing. Now I'm going to take a brief break right here and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at Liam Photo ATL using the hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so continuing on with this topic, another factor of a great camera is one that is fast. Can your camera do what you need it to do quickly? I personally own Canon's EOS R, the RP, and the R6. And on a recent large project shoot for a major international brand, I decided on the second day of shooting to switch things up a little bit and take both my R and my R6 instead of just the R6, like I did on the first day. I did this because I was shooting different content on the second day, and I wanted to use two different types of lenses at the same time, a telephoto and a wide angle. This ended up not working well for me because the R is now slow and clunky compared to the R6. The EOS R was Canon's first foray into mirrorless full-frame bodies, 
And the R6 is one of their latest models. And the difference in the two bodies as far as how fast they can do things is night and day. The R is like a Ford Pinto and the R6 is like a Porsche in comparison. If I had thought of it ahead of time, I should have rented another R6. And that's what I'm going to do when I shoot more for this project in 2022. Unless I get the money together to buy a second R6, which is what I'm looking to do. I'm now in the process of trying to sell the R and the RP and replace both of them with just another R6. Next, consider how fast the camera is at data transfer. I prefer to remove my memory cards from my cameras at the end of a shoot and copy the files onto my hard drives using a card reader. But many of you prefer to just plug your camera into the computer using the USB cable that's supplied with it. And that is completely fine. But keep in mind, if your camera only has USB 1.1 instead of USB 2 or 3, your images are going to take a lot longer to transfer to your computer because USB 1.1 is a slower interface compared to 2 or 3. Do you have the patience to sit and wait all day for the images to copy to your hard drive? Or do you want them done transferring in a matter of a few seconds? Another aspect of what makes a great camera is your camera's size and weight. Is it a bit cumbersome to use? Do you get tired of lugging it around all day out in the field? These are additional items to consider. Is the camera system a joy to use and easy on your body? Or do you quickly feel like you are lugging around a bag of bricks? And finally, does your camera have the standard mode dial on the top that allows you to quickly change between aperture priority, shutter priority, program mode, and manual mode? Now, some cameras will also have custom modes that you can program. Canons, barely, it's fairly common on Canon cameras. They'll give you C1, C2, sometimes C3, depending on the body. And what that allows you to do is you can set, let's say you want to use the same basic set of settings for all your landscape shots, maybe F8 for the aperture, ISO 100, and, you know, it could be anything else. Um, maybe write to a specific folder on your memory card. Well, you can pre-program that into the C1 slot and then C2 you can set different settings for indoor portrait shots with a different aperture value, different shutter speed, and so on and so forth. And I do this with the real estate work that I do. I have C1 configured for the exterior shots of the homes, you know, where I'm out in daylight, and C2 set for the settings I use with a speed light and a diffuser when I'm shooting the interiors of the house. And it just makes it quick and easy for you. But not every camera has those customizable mode slots on the mode dial. But it should at least have the ones that I mentioned here. Aperture priority, shutter priority, program mode, and manual mode. Now, your camera might also have a full auto mode, which I recommend you stay away from as much as possible. Now, if it doesn't have a mode dial, this is another very important item that is a make or break when deciding on your camera system and deciding whether the camera is a great camera or a crappy camera. Remember, a great camera gets out of the way of making your images, your creations, your vision. A bad camera actually hinders this process, and that is something no one really wants. Keep this in mind 
when you are looking for your first camera or your next upgrade. If you are new to photography, I also recommend renting a body from lens rentals. You don't even need to rent the most recent body from a system that you're interested in. You can rent one that's a few years old, especially in Canon, Nikon, Fujifilm. Uh, but with Sony's, as I mentioned earlier, Sony recently changed their menu system, so you might want to rent one of the newest bodies from them to see how their new menu system looks, feels, and works for you. But that way, like I said, with the other camera makers, even if you rent a body that's a few years old, the menu system is going to be pretty much the same. The more advanced models that have more recently come out, like my R6 may have items that you could put in the my menu that older bodies don't, but it doesn't matter. You're going to get a feel for the menu system, a feel for the buttons, dials, levers, all of that good stuff. And that'll give you a good idea of what system you want to invest in if you're buying your first camera system. Now, if you're somebody that's already been shooting and already using a particular system, no matter who the brand is, you could always rent one of their newer bodies to see if it's going to be a great camera for you. If it's going to get more out of the way for you of your creative process. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 207 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Verbal, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by on YouTube and visit the Liam Photography YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, share them out, comment on them, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you all again on Sunday.